Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. issue of the OEM industry update. We are very excited to have you join us and we're excited to have our guest, Richard Demergen, president of TCCI with us. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's always uh, wonderful to talk to people in the industry. Uh, I've been you know, president of TCCI and involved in the, uh, the OEM marketplace for heavy-duty trucking and commercial equipment for the last 30-plus years. So in uh, what ways have you seen the war in Ukraine affect the off-highway industry and perhaps accelerate the move away from fossil fuel dependence? Well, you know, we're, we're currently in a crazy time out here anyways with logistics and supply chain management. We've got a lot of our customers that that we're sourcing product in the Ukraine. So we've seen shutdowns at several of them, uh, both on highway and off highway customers while they're trying to resource and deal with supply chain uh, issues out there, especially in Europe for our European customer base. A lot of product comes through Russia or through Ukraine from that perspective out there. So it's been primarily a supply, short term, a supply chain issue out there. Uh, I think in the electrification side on off-highway, it is probably spurring a little bit as well with to get away from fossil fuels with, with the Russian dependence, especially again, going into Europe. You know, we're not so dependent on it in, in North America, but the European dependence is, is pretty high on, on Russian fossil fuels. Though. Yes, thank you. Excellent points. Um, so even before the conflict, the oil and gas industry was you know, getting unstable and it has become more unstable with the war. Do you see this as yet another driver for electrification and alternative power sources like hydrogen? Uh, yeah, you know, for, for off-highway equipment, uh, alternative power sources have, have to look for everything. It's not like the automotive where they seem to be focused on the, the battery electric vehicle, the BEV type vehicle. When we talk to our off-highway customers like Caterpillar and, you know, Case New Holland and, and John Deere, they're, they're looking at the wide breadth, battery electric, but they're also looking at fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell product and uh, they're they're looking at all aspects of alternative fuels out there. BEV might be winning the battle out there in the short term, but but long term, it's going to have to be these a combination of all types of alternative fuel type vehicles out there. And something that just came to me that I've been learning as I've come into the industry is with the massive amount of power required by some of these off-highway assets, electrification alone isn't quite powerful enough to give the energy, that the power that's needed. So do you think, at least in the short term, a hybrid approach is 
probably what we're going to be seeing. There's the problem with the, the alternative fuel in the vehicle, and then the bigger problem of the alternative fueling of that vehicle out there and the infrastructure. I was just at you know Oak Ridge National Laboratories uh, just outside of Knoxville, and we were getting a tour of what they're doing in alternative fuel infrastructure development out there, because that's, again, much different for the, you know, the off-road vehicle. You can't just pull it into a, a gas station and plug it into a charger out there. You know, you've got to be able to run and then come back to a depot for refueling or recharging out there. So it's, uh, you know, the infrastructure and, and right now the infrastructure to, for BEVs is to, you know, using fossil fuels to create that energy to recharge a non-fossil fuel vehicle. So, I, so we're definitely looking at hydrogen fuel selling other alternatives, you know, out there trying to go to a higher voltage, 48 volt, and pull items off of the powertrain to get better fuel economy or longevity off of the fossil fuel that you have today out there. Specifically, how have compressors changed to keep up with the electrification trend and perhaps the alternative fuel trend? Obviously, if you're pulling the compressor off of a compressor, traditionally are belt-driven compressors, so they mount to the engine, and they're driven by the main engine belt, drawing energy from that um, uh, from that engine out there, turning and pumping, and and then driving the cooling for the cab side of it. That's primarily what it's used for. On these electrical uh, or alternative fuel vehicles, you still need the cab cooling which becomes really important for all the electronics, autonomous driving, all of that that you have in the system that need to keep cool, but they become actually more important for your alternative fuel cooling method out there. So take BEV, for example, those batteries have to be kept within a 25 to 30 degree C narrow bandwidth, otherwise they degrade very quickly and then they don't hold their charge anymore like they used to. So the compressor is critical in keeping the the cooling system around the battery. And a lot of companies off-road are are especially doing it with a separate compressor or multiple compressor strategy for the powertrain cooling side of it, and then a separate compressor strategy for just the cap cooling piece of it. So then you've got to create now two different systems with two different compressors that are no longer belt driven. They're, They're electrically motor driven with smart control boards in there so that they're you have a whole logic around controlling the compressor and, and feedback out there for those various systems. In addition to electrification, we've talked about alternative fuels. Have these alternative fuels affected TCCI's products or strategy? And how, if you could elaborate on that? Yes. Uh, so, you know, uh, right now, you know, a simple alternative fuel is, is like just going to a biodiesel or something like that on these, on these units. That really doesn't affect our, um, our compressor strategy out there. It doesn't really create some of the other things that I just talked about. But going to a, a different powertrain when we we're talking about completely changing the powertrain for some of our customers' vehicles, that compressor strategy is is critical and we're working at the onset 
Typically for our cab coolings, the compressor is almost like a last minute configuration. They know how it's gonna fit. There's not a whole lot of, of upfront design work, but you know, we're, we're working with the OEs right now today for vehicles that are launching in 25 and 26 on these alternative fuel vehicles out there, trying to figure out what the strategy is. We've got our system testing here um, as the compressor. We also help out not designing the system, but testing the system in our system benches here. So they'll send us the system and, and we have to make sure that we are getting the oil return and the balance and everything in there before it goes out into in tunnel testing, climate chamber testing, and then ultimately out into the field. So, so we're having to get involved with the OE probably almost a year and a half earlier than we normally would get involved if it was just a regular diesel power type vehicle out there. That's really interesting. Um, I hadn't thought about the need to change when you start talking to someone. So that's, that is interesting. So while you were talking about the compressors for the cab, and you said that's kind of more of a last minute plug and play as the autonomous um, infrastructure in the cab gets added and, and different controls and display screens and things like that, do you anticipate that will become a more of a priority or are they pretty standard as far as, you know, you're going to be able to get the right amount of cooling from a compressor you typically would use? Well, I, I, I think on a, again, it, it's, it's separated in, into new different pieces, the regular um, fossil fuel vehicle that goes autonomous out there. I think that is a pretty straightforward um, compressor application. It's cooling. We know what kind of kilowatts of cooling that they need. We know what speed the engine's running at and how that's going to drive the compressor. So there's, there's not a ton of complexity to that vehicle on that compressor. As you talk about electrification or not running the compressor off of the engine and, and electrifying that, you're dealing with high voltage, you're dealing with now your, um, your electrical signals and pulsations between all the equipment. So you really have to think about how does this compressor affect all that autonomous uh, electronics that are going on. And we do EMC or EMI testing on the vehicle to sort of at the component level, but as well on the vehicle. So that has to, that, that has to happen well ahead of time. Uh, it can't be a last minute thing because it's very expensive. You don't want you set that and you know, okay, my, my radiant and conductive electrical emissions of my compressor aren't interfering with the autonomous issues associated with the electronics of that vehicle. So, so that comes into play as we take the compressor off of the, um, the belt driven situation and make it into a higher voltage product out there. The, uh, the interference between that unit and the, and the electronics inside the camp have become a much more important um, aspect of it. So great. Well, you have given us a ton of great information. Just, I just want to make sure that there's 
Is there anything else you'd like to share about the direction of the off-highway industry and specifically about compressors, you know, moving forward this year and into 2023? I would say off-highway, as we break it into two categories, construction and agriculture, that's your two main off-highway pieces out there. I think the construction piece is moving quicker than the agricultural piece out there. Uh, Our customers on the construction side, especially in the U.S. and in Europe, there are restrictions on them being able to operate fossil fuel vehicles within a city limit or certain times. California is putting a lot of noise restrictions on those vehicles inside it. So I think you're going to see the construction side of it move quicker than the the agricultural side of it out there. You know, I, I think where you have a Case New Holland or an Agco or a John Deere agricultural vehicle, they're working on it, but I think it's it's going to come probably you're not going to see the first real vehicle start hitting for another three to five years out there where construction, I think you're going to see those already starting in, you know, 23. And then by 25, you're going to see a lot more electrification of the construction vehicle. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we will talk about other topics again, and we're just real happy to have you. And thanks again. Great, thank you. A pleasure to be here.